Before we get started with today's episode, I'm here to ask you to please consider giving me some money. That's right. Crisis Twink has a wonderful listener support option in our show notes through which you can choose to make a small, large, or an astronomical monthly donation to support the operating costs of the podcast. It's entirely optional, but it is much appreciated. So if that's something that's interesting to you, then uh, give it a little look. All right, on with the show. Hey girlies, welcome to Crisis Twink, the podcast where we ring the alarm about cultural emergencies. Whether it's a flop album, an insane headline, a problematic fave, or just something that needs to be urgently discussed or you'll die, we're going to revive it and make sure it gets the medical assistance it so desperately needs. My name is Drew Haskins, and I'm the only twink who can save a culture in crisis. Though I am joined today by a fellow twink expert, a true pop culture renegade, Ethan Flanagan. Hi. Uh, Hello. Wow. What an introduction. Thank you. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I didn't clear with you first whether twink was a slur or not. So if I just inadvertently hate crime to you, that is on me and I am <laughs> listening and learning about that. Uh, you know what, I appreciate you, I hear you, I see you. Um, I do identify as a twink, although I do also think it is a slur, so you know. And both things can be true. That's exactly. the fundamental disconnect of this podcast. Every time I have a straight guy on, they feel like they can't say it. And I almost <laughs> wanna be like, you can't, but at the same time, there's nothing like especially hateful about it. There just is an unnecessary stigma. Yeah, I will say that like, oh gosh, it was like three years ago, that New York Times piece, like the age of the twink and they're like, Timothy Chalamet. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, she feels, I don't know why, but that felt wrong to me. But you know, you know, other gay people saying, ugh, twink. I'm like, all right, yeah. Yeah, I like I've seen twink opened up to people of all gender and sexuality expressions, which I think is beautiful. But it is really crazy that this whole like the broadening of the conversation started with Timothy Chalamet of all people. My nemesis. Um, I'm a hater. Uh, that's really? the other thing. Yeah, I'm a hater. Oh, I wouldn't have, I don't know. I, I generally kind of like him. The acting talent is sort of a hit or miss for me, but like, I I will always support a fellow Barb at the end of the day. And that's, <laughs> there is strength in numbers there. I, I respect that. I like, I mean, I like almost everything he's in. Like, I mean, Lady Bird, I really liked Dune, but like- Oh, Dune was awesome, yeah. More like in spite of him than because of him, I guess. There's never been something where like, oh, thank God, Timothy Chalamet was in this. He is so outsizedly famous that it's really hard to not see him as Timothy Chalamet when he's in stuff. Like, I loved Dune, but I couldn't for the life of me separate the like suspension of disbelief that's like, oh, this is Timothy Chalamet in the desert. This isn't like... Paul Atreides like I couldn't not see Timothy 
no, I, I, I understand that because I felt the exact same way. <laughs> Even in Call Me By Your Name, though, to an extent, the hype was so crazy. And I feel like I was so well versed in who he was by the time I actually saw it. It was hard for me to not think Timothy Chalamet. And maybe yeah. this problem is solved by him having a like a less like famous person-y name almost. If he were Tim Smith, I don't think we would be having this conversation. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the the Frenchification of American culture is just clearly <laughs> present through Timothy Chalamet. What's next? Marianne Cotillard being an Oscar winner, you know, oh, where does it stop? Where does it stop? One of my favorite, um, I don't know if this is a fun fact, but like, one of my favorite Hollywood facts is that Marion Cotillard is a fervent 9-11 truther. Yes, I love that for her. For her, for her. Yeah, <laughs> like, for I don't her. love that for like the discourse at large and what uh, the past 20 years of American geopolitics has led to, but it is very funny that like she of all people, this like glamorous ethereal French woman is like jet fuel can't melt steel beams. Yeah, I just imagine her like always always in Chanel. She's got like, you know, long-term contract with them and just mm-hmm. being like, yeah, Bush did 9-11. And it's like, oh, wow, all right, girl. <laughs> it's so funny. I don't know how to say that in French, but I wish I did. Like that's enough for me to like pick up uh, Duolingo and Oh yeah, we are talking to a, a Parisian, a former Parisian here. I oh forgot. gosh, this is uh, Bush a fait le 11 September. Yeah, that was, that was, that was incredible. (laughs) I mean, it's pretty, pretty low level French, which I will say is my bread and butter low level French because I did not, um, not have to speak fluent French there, thankfully. It's a pain et beurre. (laughs) That's, that's what, that's what it is. Um, Okay, I think, (laughs) I think we have to start playing our first game which is called go call the governor so i am going to present you with three cultural scenarios from recent and or ancient history and you're going to decide whether or not the governor needs to be called there are no wrong answers here but but your choice is binary does the governor need to be called or not so let's play um first topic a really sad one i'm actually like not looking forward to talking about this um the wendy williams show is officially ending oh my gosh i'm so upset about this so upset like i mean i I think the governor does need to be called um we need i mean a i want to know that like wendy williams is like okay um because you know she's been out of commission for a while but also like I mean you're just this is funny that we were talking about Marianne Cotillard being a 9-11 truther <laughs> Sherry Shepard's taking over the one oh, yeah. slot and is a flat earther yeah um and I just I mean I don't I love Sherry Shepard aside from the flat earth stuff but like no one could do it like Wendy no 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 Wendy Williams is an iconoclast the likes of which we see once in a lifetime. I don't think there's anyone else from this current crop of daytime celebrities that's even gonna approach the impact in the legacy 
no that way. she's had. No. Like just I the mean, quotes alone are like literally. God. I mean, death to all of them is something I say on a daily basis yeah. almost. Like she <laughs> really has impacted the zeitgeist in such a memeable way that like no one will ever recreate that at all. No, it's it's insane. It, it, it is truly insane. And Wendy's not a perfect person. Like she's done a lot of learning. She's done a lot of growing. She's had a very well publicized like addiction journey that like, you know, we don't really know what's going on with that right now that would have contributed to her stepping down. Yeah. But like, she just has such a big heart and I do think honesty is really like a fairly rare quality amongst the celebrity set right now. And she was always herself for better or worse. For better or worse. Like no one will be as direct as Wenda Williams will be. No. Like I'm thinking of that video where Cynthia Bailey of <laughs> The Real Housewives is on and uh, Wendy goes, I think I heard someone's getting fired. I think it's you. I think it should be you. It's no one else. If Ellen said that, she'd be canceled in two days. Wendy I mean, can somehow get away with that because she has like, she's so tapped in. Like she, you always got the sense that like when she was interviewing a person, she knew everything about them. Except oh, Rita Ora, who she famously did not know. But I mean, does anyone really know Rita Ora? Okay, well, as one of the one of America's <laughs> only living Rita bots, um, I I know most, if not all, things there are to know. But like, I don't expect Wendy Williams to be on my level on that. Yeah. I mean, is it Rita bots? I feel like orators would be so funnier. So that's that's <laughs> you know something you should take up with headquarters. Like, I can't be. I'm not even the American branch chief. Uh, the aura bots that would be friend of the pod tyler Danucci. so take it up with him um but it's she's just she is one of a kind and it's going to be really sad to see her go she did say something today to the effect that like if i recover fully from my like autoimmune disease i would come back on tv and her production company said that they would honor that so fingers crossed for a Wendy recovery because that is I we are in like a good age for like weird surreal daytime stuff like Kelly Clarkson is a way weirder talk show than like people kind of realize it is and Drew Barrymore is doing full like Meg Stalter videos like on daytime (laughs) surrealist television like Lynchian almost but it's working like I um I remember thinking when the Drew Barrymore short show came out that it would flop severely and it's so popular. Like, it's getting almost Ellen-like ratings. Like, people really love Drew Barrymore. Yeah, and I think Drew is one of those people who could, like, carry a show on Charisma alone. And I think that's... Because there's no structure to that show. There's no... I mean, she's interviewed people in her, like, never-been-kissed, like, teen yeah. drag. Like, a, multiple times on that show. Like, with a horse, it's... She, she just... She like does that. bits. She... She is such a Hollywood lifer too that I think people know her on a personal level and feel comfortable being pretty silly with her. 
yeah. and that does make for good tv like even when she's doing um like i don't remember what this movie is called but there was a movie like 10 years ago about Kristen wig being this like weird middle of nowhere woman who somehow won a talk show on a lottery that's kind oh, of the vibe of yeah. what drew barrymore's show is like it is like this really nice midwestern woman who just like lucked into it which i guess is or like the other two season two, yeah i was literally but... just saying like other two season two <laughs> yeah <laughs> but it's... all right well pray for wendy she i really really hope she gets better um but if yeah. this is it she will live on in infamy in the best possible Absolute way infamy. All right. Speaking of infamy, next scenario. Oh, Emmy Rossum is playing Tom Holland's mom in some show about mental illness. Does the governor need to be called? And for context, <laughs> Emmy Rossum is 35 and Tom Holland is 25. Um, yes. I mean, we already had the governor. I mean, yes, the governor needs to be called. We already had Marissa Tomei play like Tom Holland's like elderly aunt yeah. uh, in the Spider-Man movies. Um Otis Crone in the Marvel Universe. <laughs> Literally, Oscar winner Marissa Tomei. Yeah. Um, I also, Emmy Rossum, I just, I don't see her as a mom. I'm not sure if she's a mom in real life. I don't know one way or the other. Couldn't but, speak to that, yeah. Um, I just, her playing someone's mom? I, I just, I don't see it for her. Yeah. I think this needs a recast. I was waiting for one of these like trade announcements to be like, oh, she's playing his mom in flashbacks. Nope, nothing that would clarify that. Like, no. she is not someone I've ever really connected with on like an acting, you know, project level because I'd never watched Seamless. I've seen, I've definitely seen Phantom of the Opera, but I do not remember a second of it because I definitely have not seen it in 15 plus years. But like, she's so beautiful and like, she doesn't look 35. Like, I thought she was only 30. So this news was really shocking to me. Literally, the only, like, when I think of Emmy Rossum, I don't think of she. I literally could only think of The Day After Tomorrow, like, the climate disaster movie with Jake Gyllenhaal and Dennis Quaid. Oh, yeah, she's in that, too. She's, like, the female, like, love interest, Gyllenhaal. And that's just the only thing I can probably ever see her as. And so, yeah. I mean, she was, like, 17 in that movie, so I get I forgot why. she was in that. Oh, that's, that's a great movie. Emmy Rossum has been around for a long time because yeah. Day After Tomorrow is about to turn 20 in a year or two. Yeah, so she, and I assume she acted before that. I don't really know. Yeah, I, I, I'm, th- that's really crazy to me. She's never really popped. She was in that show about Angeline. And okay, I feel so... Like- that was, hasn't come out yet. Oh, wait, did that not? I thought it came out. No, we all did because like it was supposed to come out in like whenever Peacock launched. Yeah. Like right at the beginning, which I think was t- almost two years ago at this point. I think so. And it just never came out. Like it, they've teased it. Like they, it's still on the schedule. It's shot and done, mm-hmm. but it hasn't come out yet. So I'm like- I, I literally assumed it came out and flopped. And that's why I hadn't thought of it in a really long time. But wow, this is 
things do come out and flop though. Like I, God, I don't remember um, what it was. Oh, 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 it was um, the reboot of the Fairly Odd Parents that got kind of like teased today, but oh, I didn't yeah. hear so much as a promo announcement, like no sort of like, this is in the works kind of announcement. And I think there's just so much TV right now across all these streaming services that like you could go months without hearing about anything. Yeah, like I think the only reason I thought of the Peacock like Angeline show recently was because I was like watching the Olympics and like had gotten Peacock to do so. Yeah. And then it was like a promo. And I think it was actually during the Super Bowl. I think I watched the Super Bowl on Peacock. Yeah. And it like flashed an ad for Peacock, including that show. Oh, whatever happened to that? And that did not do a further ounce of research. No, because like we don't have the bandwidth for that. Like there are five buzzy shows at a time. And I don't that want we to have to devote. <laughs> Me neither. I'm like about to start Euphoria, but like. I just I, finished in just like that a month after the fact. And I was like, okay, like, I feel like I'm zeitgeisty enough right now. I can't believe you're watching Euphoria after our traumatic shared experience uh, regarding the show. <laughs> the White Lotus? No. Uh, what, the, what? Your, our, the tweet? Oh, <laughs> okay. Yes. Yeah, so, well, wait, I, I see. I've literally had to like push this out of my mind because it was so um, heinous. I had a viral, we both ended up having viral tweets, but I had a, uh, a 400,000 like tweet at Ethan's expense at the beginning yeah. of the month because uh, I tweeted a screenshot of something you had said yeah. <laughs> about, about it. I, uh, yeah, I disparaged Sydney's um, and But you really it, it did. <laughs> didn't though, because like, Nothing that you wrote in context of what was just on the page, words on the page, could have been construed as a direct criticism. Thank you. And yet. And yet people thought I was calling her ugly. All these 17-year-olds getting threes on their AP English exams are like, oh, you think she's a fugly slur like you think she's <laughs> worthless you think she is just irredeemably bad at acting and I'm it, like I didn't read that as such I just thought it was funny that like there's direct contrast between I don't know but yeah I, I haven't been able to do that because I got really tired of being called an old white fag <laughs> by, by people 10 years younger than me um, about a show that I don't even watch. And I, I will watch it, but like Euphoria is one of those shows that like gets clipped to hell and back so severely that I'm like, I feel like I've seen the whole thing at this point. Yeah, I mean, that's the same thing with, I don't also don't watch Succession, but I could tell you almost everything that happened in season three, because oh, like, yep. I just saw it all on Twitter. No, if you're not watching live for a lot of these buzzy shows, you you just don't stand a chance. Like, yes, you could leave social media for a little bit, and that's probably smart, but like, I've never thought to do that. Yeah. And that's on me. Um, one thing I wanted to talk about in the other half of this equation. Um, I am going to speak for the podcast here. 
<laughs> and our operating, our producers, our editors, all myself. Um, <laughs> I think Tom Holland is severely untalented. And I don't understand why he is like everywhere right now. I don't understand why people think he is like so hot. I, I don't get any of it. Besides the dancing, he is like objectively a pretty good dancer. So I cannot look at Tom Holland's face without thinking of that like tweet or Tumblr post or whatever that was like, Tom Holland always looks like he's holding a small frog in his mouth and doesn't want to let the frog go. Yep. And that has just colored my perception of him for the past, what, I don't know, six, seven years? He's been Five. around for a long time. Like uh, He was in the Naomi Watts Oscar-nominated vehicle. The, the Tsunami Impossible. movie? That yeah. came out 10 years ago this year. Yeah, that was 2012, because it was the same year that um, Jennifer Lawrence won the Oscar. Yeah, that was a weird um, lineup of people. I was thinking about this lineup the other day because it was Jennifer Lawrence, Jessica Chastain, before she got so annoying. Um, um, I mean, I am a card-carrying chest adiac, so... She's a fantastic actress, <laughs> but she needs to, like... She's someone who should not be on social media. Oh, I'm, ins- I'm obsessed with her social media strategy because it is bonkers. It's it bonkers. Is. Like, I I mean, it's always been bad. Like, over the summer when she was like, don't make me cry, and, like, she had <laughs> that, like, weird French accent, and then she was posting TikToks as... Tammy Faye, Tammy Faye. From that was fall. That was cute. I had, to, I had to draw the line there. I I haven't seen that movie yet. I will though now that's on streaming. Like, um, but it was those two: Naomi Watts, Quaventione Wallace from *Beasts of the Southern Wild*, and Emmanuel Riva from *Amour*. Oh, which is just like a heartbreaking movie. It's an interesting slate of nominees that year because you have like. I mean, I don't know how to categorize Naomi Watts, but like, it's a, like up and comers, like literal child star and like old, old, like art house cinema woman yeah. who's like finally getting her due on the award stage. Like, and then like a kind of like the B team of the Australian actresses, you know? Yeah, we can call it a B team. I, <laughs> Naomi Watts is definitely B team. Like she's like yeah. the Robin to Nicole Kidman's Batman for sure. Exactly. Or like Kate Blanchett. Same. Sure. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree with that. Like she's definitely above like an Isla Fisher. <laughs> Who I didn't know was Australian and also thought her name was pronounced Isla until about like two years ago. Yeah, that's, I for a long time thought it was Isla Fisher too, until, God, what's that movie? Um, Where she's like the shopper. Confessions of a Shopaholic? Yes, okay, thank yeah. you. Yep, that movie. <laughs> that movie. <laughs> See, it's like, I, I don't need to overthink these things. Like my initial instinct is like, yeah, of course that's what it's called. Um, okay, <laughs> but I'm glad we're on the same page about Tom Holland. Very, yeah, unremarkable to me unremarkable and zendaya Could i'll just say it, i think less of her for dating him okay moving on um the plant gay aesthetic this is the last prompt but does the plant gay aesthetic warrant a call from the governor yes because he needs to send in the national guard and i <laughs> call the governor okay. on the plant gaze I, I'm sorry if you are a plant gay. I don't see any plants in the background of your shot, so I'm hoping you're not. Um, I detest the plant gay aesthetic. Um, 
their plants, literally get over it. Um, also, I don't want to feel like I'm walking into the like Lincoln Park Conservatory when I'm going over to a hookup's house. I like, excuse me. Say that. Thank you. Yep. Say that. Um, soil smells really weird. And when you have 20 plants in a room, it's just, it's not the odor you think it is. Yeah. Um, I do support plants in isolation. I am someone who owns three plants. I have three plants in my whole apartment. But what I've done is one of them is a huge plant, a statement Mm. plant, if you will. And that's enough. You don't need to like turn your room into an arboretum. Yeah. Like you don't need like the, all the, like six hanging plants, like just trying to go to the bathroom and I'm worried I'm going to get exactly like, I don't want like vines in my ear. Like you don't need to do what you're doing here. And I think it is like gay people have discovered and I'm, you know, being reductive, whatever. We're very reductive on this yeah, podcast. Yeah, whatever. But like they have discovered a really cheap way to facsimile a God complex <laughs> by putting a fuck ton of plants in their living area. And it's like a shorthand that like, yes, I can create. Yes, I can like look at this fertility, look at this virility, but also like if I left for a week to go to Provincetown, they'd be dead. <laughs> I think it's, um, you know, not to be like insane, but like there's some like, I don't know, like weird paternal instinct in it for like people who like don't want to actually like put effort into having like a child or a pet or something like, it's like a very like, I don't know, evolutionary instinct, but like at the most like basic and easiest level, because like at our core, I feel like gay people are just very lazy. So like, yeah. And it's weird. I mean, plants are not, I guess, depending on the plant, they're not that low maintenance either. Like, I yes, it's like, it's, it's easier than taking care of a cat or a dog. Yeah. But like, it's not, it's still like, you know, it's ritualized care in a way that like, that's That's hard to kind of get your brain into that mentality. But people, I guess a lot of people just, it's so much about the aesthetic, so much more so than like having a cat. Like everyone has cats. Yeah. And cats are cute. I wish I could, I'm so allergic to cats, but like, I wish I could have a cat. They're cute. They're adorable. Plants are, like, a really easy way to, like, get this, like, cool aesthetic and, like, shorthand a lifestyle and take care, take care of things, I guess. Yeah. But it's so done because, no, like, half of the problem is no one has flowers. It's all just, like, these, like, ferns. Yeah, it's not, like, weird, just, like, leafy green. I just, it's not, like, I don't know. It's not aesthetically pleasing to the eye either. If everyone was taking care of, like, orchids or something i'd be really impressed oh yeah no like, like if, really if you lived in a house full of orchids cool as fuck like that's that's genuinely impressive because Although orchids are also that, hard yeah the temperature of that place would have to be insane but oh yeah and, you know they're, they're disqualifying in other ways but like get get a bromeliad get like a nice like like a croton with like some nice like color in the leaves or something like all these like ficuses and ferns and it's just it's so repetitive yeah and then i mean i'm just i'm not a plant person in general i don't like 
taking care of things. I killed a succulent, you know. So clearly Mm -hmm. I'm not like obviously the authority on how easy or hard it is, but like just like make it a little nicer looking. I don't know. Yeah. Just like a purple or, you know, a blue in there. A pop of color is always nice. (laughs) Literally. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Just general rule. Um, No, I don't. Chicago is like not as. I mean, Chicago is a pretty plant gay city, actually, in a lot of ways. Like, I feel like most apartments I've been into have been not quite plant infested, but like getting there. Yeah. Um, LA was way worse because, I mean, you mentioned succulents, like succulent gays. That's a whole other breed. Like, there's just a whole corner in every apartment, every like casita, whatever. <laughs> where you have to watch your step because one false move and you're going to the ER (laughs) from all the prickles. It's just, it's like clockwork. Like you just have to be careful. That's so insane. So thank God for that. But I don't know. It is, it is a scourge of the lifestyle, but yeah. um, The worst thing about it is just, if I see plant dad in your Twitter bio, not going to follow you. Nope. Sorry. Um, Immediate try a regular child okay no i'm kidding i'm kidding i'm kidding okay um we have to take a quick break but we will be right back and we're back let's move on to this episode's cultural emergency ethan what are you rushing to the er today i am rushing to the er sky ferrera's career um Will she ever release a second album is, uh, I think, a burning question for a lot of us. Um, yeah. Especially those of us, you know, grew up on Tumblr uh, and spent a lot of time listening to Nighttime My Time in their dorm rooms, all that good stuff. I don't know about you, but that was definitely... Uh, it, it, Nighttime My Time hit me freshman year. Um, yeah. Freshman year of college. I'm not, I'm young, I'm not young. I'm, I'm a crone. Um an elderly twink. An elderly tw- aging twink at the, the ripe old age of 26. Um, no, that, that album is so much of a generational masterpiece. So formative, so good that like, it really does warrant the amount of like, where is she? What's she up to? Exactly. It, it so. really, I mean, even the making of that album was like pretty much a struggle from her, for her, not from her. It's good from her struggle yeah. for her. Um, but I think, you know, getting dropped and, from her label originally, it didn't, that didn't help. <laughs> yeah. And this is a good, um, I do have to issue this disclaimer. I used to work for Sky Ferreira's label. This, the one she's currently signed okay. to. Um, it's been a while in my opinions do not reflect the opinions of capital music group okay moving on yes <laughs> um, now yeah. they've got a legal basis covered but yeah yep. i mean it's it's on nine years since nighttime my time mm-hmm. literally in 2013 um, and it's been 10 years since everything is embarrassing which many people to this day argue is her signature song i i think i think it's fair to call it her signature song i wouldn't say it's her best song it is a really good song i agree with that i i yeah. i think it's like better than i think it's like a masterpiece but i have a very unpopular opinion as to what i think her best song is so. what is your opinion of her best song 
so for a little backstory, I found out who Sky Ferrer was from a blurb in the print edition, in a print edition of Entertainment Weekly. Okay. They reviewed her first major label single one, which to this day, I think is a masterpiece of early 2010s electropop. It's it's a perfect, perfect, perfect song. Okay. That and that's is... my favorite. It's not a song I dislike, but it's it's not a song I'm really like, I don't know, seeking out, I guess. It it's a basic answer in a lot of ways. Cause she's made some very interesting cerebral alt pop music. And to pick her most commercially targeted song is sort of a cop-out in a lot of ways. And like one that she would not agree with because she's disavowed that entire era yeah. of her career. But there's something about that song that like the way all the synths bubble up like little like champagne sparkles and the repetition the roboticness it 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 is very ahead of its time yeah no christine aguilar but it's very ahead of its time and like <laughs> where um kind of like the fembotification of like alt pop would go from there Okay, I can see that. Uh, yeah, like I said, it's not a bad song. And I think actually it does lend, like, I think saying that is your favorite Scarefer song actually does give you a little bit of cred because it's something that she doesn't really like. I think right. the pop-out answer would be saying everything is embarrassing. There's like, nothing is, more yeah. stand-like than actively standing something your fave hates. <laughs> like, or like, like Charlie X stands taxi you know yeah something like or like sucker stands like <laughs> you're you're playing with fire. <laughs> well I've, if i met a sucker stand in a while and i would call the hospital but like it's you know it's uh yeah it, it is like very contrarian like there's something yeah. very contrarian built into the nature of stand-up exactly and it's punk you know kindness punks <laughs> um, it's punk you right know. <laughs> right right <laughs> but so where did you first hear of her because i feel like she'd been like a tumblr cause celebrate for a lot longer than like she'd been a pop star necessarily so like yeah it was tumblr's where i first heard everything's embarrassing and then this was like 2013 ish so i didn't actually like have a way i mean i had itunes but i didn't think to buy it on itunes for some reason mm-hmm. and it was before i used spotify so i didn't have a way to like remember who she was basically right um and then when i was a freshman in college i am younger than you by a year um <laughs> uh which was 2014 mm-hmm. i was reading i my roommate my freshman year roommate will give him a shout out um introduced me to pitchfork which i had never even heard of yeah and then so i was like reading through all of their like listicles and then i came across like i think it was like the best um like 100 songs of like the decade so far like published in like late 2014 and she was on there so I was like, oh, I remember liking that song. And then so for the entirety of the rest of my freshman year, I would just listen to Everything's Embarrassing and You're Not the One on repeat. Um, yeah. Because I was, you know, severely depressed. <laughs> um, but it was, that was like when I first was like, oh, this is like someone I'm going to be following their career for, for a very long time. Yeah. So it was pretty disappointing when, when she, you know, years later, 
come out with an immediate follow-up. Um. <laughs> One that to, you know, to our credit, we're not being needy here. She has been teasing it in some yeah. fashion since 2015. Literally. It's not like a, like a Lord where, you know, she just literally disappears off the face of the earth for like three years. And I was like, no, I'm, I'm not like making music right now, which I, th- I can respect yeah. that. It does frustrate me a little because, you know, I want music, but like, you know, you're a human being too. Yeah. Um, I the, totally the understand that. Teasing is the, it gets, it gets a little. The teasing <laughs> is yeah. the unnecessary part. Um, my industry sources say that she is an intense perfectionist with a low capacity for daily work god so that's not a like me (laughs) just just like me (laughs) i get it i get it girl yeah like you know what we we all are there that does not um necessarily that's not necessarily conducive to good work when your job is you know full-time musician model sometimes actress um that's a that it's a gig that's a gig economy in a lot of ways even when you're like successful successful you still have to have projects lined up exactly and she is someone who sources say don't does not really enjoy the idea of a project so i've heard i get it the similar thing Mm -hmm. There's something I heard, and this is, I don't even have any industry sources. This is just something I remember reading, is that, like, she wanted every single song. She wanted to hear, like, the studio version. She wanted to hear it on, like, every kind of different medium possible, like, headphones, cassette tape, like, vinyl, like, like make sure she could, like, in the bathroom acoustics, like, just, like, literally going through every single... My sources topic. can confirm that one day she did do that uh, in the... In- every possible room you can think of at the Capitol Records Tower. My sources could confirm that. Wow. I mean, I I respect the dedication to the craft. I just wish that, you know, it was producing fruit for results. Because when she did drop um, Downhill Lullaby, almost- Which was in 2019, around this time in 2019. Yeah, yeah. Um, It was good for a triumphant comeback. Well, it wasn't my cup of tea, um, it's not as like she's very good at like pop hooks even when the songs are a little bit more lo-fi scuzzy old rock influence she is very good at writing a chorus like something you can really sink your teeth into down hollow lullaby is a mood piece it's a lana del rey like album track yeah. not a bad thing to be but like when you keep your fans waiting for six years in between it's projects not, it's, it's a little I, bit of a letdown yeah yeah and then um so in october she posted on instagram celebrating uh nighttime my time's eighth anniversary which you know bold move and then said mm-hmm. new music coming soon hint it comes out like a lion and goes in like a lamp whatever the phrase is which is you know the saying that people say about march the month yeah. uh goes in like a lot i don't know what um comes in like a lion out like a lamb yes anyway yeah. that was her instagram caption so you know people then assumed that would mean masochism was coming in march which i think is a bold assumption but you know as a perennial optimist about sky Ferreira, i am holding out hope that in march 
we might be receiving some new music um yeah not to like be too like stan twittery but her latest instagram post she did caption it with a clock emoji you know counting down to new music perhaps and her mom apparently said that the album was coming out in march 2022 too I don't know. I don't often trust showbiz mothers. Like we've learned with <laughs> Lynn Spears that sometimes you can't. So I, you know what? I'll, I'll believe it when it's, when it's in my iTunes library. Literally. I'll believe yeah. it when I have paid $50 for a vinyl copy of it. Um, yep. I'm a sucker. I'd pay a hundred at this point. Like I, it's weird to say this about an artist who has only released like 15 songs essentially that you can stream on streaming services. Yeah. I trust the quality. I have I would, no yeah. reason Sight not unseen, to. I yeah. would buy immediately. And there is, I think that like, that's a testament to how good Nighttime My Time is. Fantastic album. And 2013 is a really stacked year for music. That may be the best album from that year. It is definitely my personal favorite album from that year. It is just truly no second of that is wasted. It is, it is such a perfect album yeah. that I, I mean, literally was just listening to it three days ago on a flight because I was like, what do I want to listen to? What I've downloaded on Spotify? Oh, nighttime, my time, obviously. It's it, it the range that she goes through to in twelve tracks is like genuinely very impressive. She, she can do like straight up like synth pop. She can do the really rocker songs and it all fits her so well because she is this like avatar for the Tumblr era. Yeah. Indie sleaze is such a hot button phrase right now, but she really did indie sleaze. Literally. I mean, like Robin, um, who obviously we love, tweeted out like a photo was like is this indie sleaze it was a picture of her with sky ferreira and i was like obviously like obviously how could it not be like you're talking you're with the poster child someone who is like early 20s at that point like hobnobbing with all of the big like influencer types dating the lead singer of a pitchfork beloved band in <laughs> dive, which yeah. a band like we don't have to go into like the Zachary Cole Smith of it all right now, but like dive is a wonderful band. People sleep on, on them far too much. Like one of my favorite bands of the past 10 years, honestly. Really? Wow. Oh, I love them. Um, and when I found out that they were dating pre arrest, drug possession arrest in 2013 i i was over the moon because like they had both (laughs) walked for like yves saint laurent i believe in 2012 and that's where they met and i just thought that's that's like the epitome of like what like an early 2010s like cool couple was at that point like pitchfork approved like and it like it is um like to go back to pitchfork you mentioned like your roommate I had been a fan of Skies like for that one song and God, what's her, what was that other single? She has a single with Ryan Tedder or like a co-write with Ryan Tedder yeah. from that era too. Um, oh I God, think it's called title. Obsession, but don't quote me on that. Those two songs I loved. Didn't really hear for her or from her for 
two-ish years, a year and a half after that. Yeah. Which like, this is just the nature of time and not to get too like stoner thoughts or whatever, but like <laughs> a year and a half in those days felt like five years Yeah. now. Like, so when I saw that Pitchfork had given Everything is Embarrassing a best new track designation mm-hmm. in the f- I think the fall of 2012 yeah I was like oh a nice to see that you're doing things again and <laughs> b it's cool to like you it's like tastemakery yeah. cool to like <laughs> you and this was I was um 17 at this point and like we talked in last week's episode with friend of the pod Will Adams about uh Grimes's visions turning 10 Yes. And that album is exactly the point in which I started reading Pitchfork pretty religiously. Yeah. So it was, um, tracks. yeah, like I started, it, crazily enough, I started reading Pitchfork because of the video games review. <laughs> because I saw, I heard that song the day it came out and I was just reading press clippings about it. And that's how I started getting into Pitchfork through video game so as everything Lana's fault Lana's influence Sky was like a perfect mix of like oh like gay people can really like actually dance to this because I was like fresh out at that time Mm -hmm. and cool people like this like cool like adults like this which like for 17 year old me that was like very important yeah because it's like you know what were the options in 2012 like dark horse by Katy perry like i not even i mean like was that 2013 that was 2014 so 2012 was like the weird fallow period in between like to put in gaga terms like in between born to die and art pop so like we were getting the tail end of the singles era from that we were still getting teenage dream singles in 2012 like Like, people were part of like the re-release part of me wide awake that kind of stuff um so it was a really like weird time to listen to pop music because a lot of it was so stale and like it was just like i mean everything was max martin or max martin inspired or inspired by the inspirations of you know max martin like it was just so i mean i hate the word derivative because like pop music is whatever but like it was very derivative and it just was I know. I, I totally see how listening to like Sky Ferreira would like just immediately like it's it's an antidote. Like the early summer 2012 was when um Channel Orange by Frank Ocean and The Idler Wheel by Fiona Apple, which is my favorite album of all time, came out. Mm-hmm. and the number one song in the country or like whatever like the most popular song on itunes at the time in the country was whistle by Flo Rida. to give you a perspective <laughs> of like where the um <laughs> the like the general public was and where like the online consensus was was yeah <laughs> and idler wheel and channel orange both ended up being like album hits yeah but like it was it was bleak like really really bleak um that's rough oh yeah yeah it's the evolution of like the music scene and how indie played into that with like the early 2010s is just fascinating and i think like you said sky is just the perfect avatar for it like she was on 
every aesthetic gif set of like her like bleach blonde hair smoking a cigarette on tumblr like yeah red lips everything's embarrassing lyrics you know splashed over it was like truly like people were so into her and, and for good reason because the for music good reason. held up like the aesthetics were obviously there and like you know Gaspar no like album cover like oh yeah like I, but, I like, can't believe music, we've gotten this yeah. far without talking about how like the chokehold that album cover had on the entire like the blogosphere really like it I mean really it was just did. unbelievable and the V magazine cover with Sky Grimes and Charlie XCX from that yeah, period well, when they're all in like the Givenchy yeah like allegedly red. they are reshooting that this okay. year I need it I like I mean I desperately need it <laughs> because like as annoying as Grimes is and I don't know if I want to say this but like as annoying as Charlie <laughs> has been recently like I forever stan all three like just exactly. such formative artists for me like that that is like such bait for people our age like yes yeah. like please keep it coming <laughs> like I'm in I'm Literally. in but I don't know that does like at a certain point you can't really coast off nostalgia forever like that like exactly. sky needs to release something within the next year before people start like and truly give up on her for good well, and yeah, i think a lot of people kind of have i think yeah. there are, there's a solid subset of people who would have killed for another sky album in 2015 who are like neutral to negative on her now yeah um because like yeah it's it's been almost 10 years it's like, been almost 10 years like people were really annoyed with Fiona Apple for taking seven years in between Extraordinary Machine and The Idler Wheel, and then another eight years in between The Idler Wheel and Fetch the Bolt Cutters. And Which, Sky has taken a longer break than that, even. Yeah, I mean, what? Taylor Swift's put out, like, what, 15 albums since Red and, you know, yeah. the same amount of time? Yep, just about. I mean, like, it's, it's really annoying like we've seen pop stars rise and fall since we had that whole like spinoff lord like generation like um alessia cara and Mm -hmm. daya and i mean obviously billy eilish was the most successful of them but like we had that whole like mini cluster yep already come and gone because iggy azalea came and went Azalea Banks, you could argue, kind of like not came. She hasn't gone fully, but like her, like, but like she's not getting played on like the radio. And well, she couldn't be. Well, yeah. like, what <laughs> what's she gonna do? She's gonna like cover like she's gonna find a way to make fruit salad by the Wiggles sound nasty like, and raunchy. the nastiest song you've ever heard. So <laughs> yeah, like it's that. I guess that's not a great example, but like you know, people there's been entire life cycles of fame since Sky for first came on the scene. I want, when did, this is going to be a weird question. When did Nickelodeon's Sam and Cat stop airing? Uh, 2014. Ariana Grande was still on Nickelodeon. Yeah. The last time Sky Ferreira released an album and now look at I- her. Selena Gomez was still like primarily known for being a Disney person. She was still with the scene. It was yeah. 
yeah Selena she Gomez was still with the scene, scene. <laughs> that is that's a sobering thought yeah oh. that's a really sobering thought <laughs> I hope she comes back I I do think that like anything she does is inevitably going to be like sort of a letdown which is like something that she kind of teed herself up for yeah but I will still be happy what do you think it even sounds like in 2022 because like downhill lullaby like you said it kind of I don't know it could have sounded like anyone like it it didn't have her like singular voice yeah I you know I think she definitely did that song after like getting cycled through the David Lynch extended universe because she was on Twin Peaks that was like her last big like acting baby driver yeah baby driver watched all of baby driver because I knew she was in it and I was really (laughs) disappointed she was like both of those things though were five years ago yeah those were both 2017 so like where are you like I think I mean have you heard her cover of voices carry yeah it's It's fantastic stuff of legends yeah excuse me it is I think I'm hoping it's kind of that like 80s 90s inspired but with like a tinge of like her sound from nighttime my time but like also kind of updated and this reference is just like very hodgepodge but like I don't know I that's what I'm hoping for but her sound her entire ethos is like take these hodgepodge elements and coalesce it into something that makes complete sense when you're actually listening to it exactly I think um Maybe a good model, if a little bit of a basic model for what she could be doing, is the most recent Mitski album. I think very easily could be. I think a Sky it would Ferrer be album. embarrassing for Mitski because Sky would blow her out of the water. I agree. I didn't like Laurel Hill that much. Okay, I think this is. I I did. I like Laurel Hill just fine. But it is, it's mid, it's not to like, yeah, it's a little mid. It's a little bit of a letdown. That's an understatement for me. But that's the the problem with like, you release these like generational epics, like Be the Cowboy and Nighttime My Time. How are you going to like live up to that? That's hard. Making me think of someone, Kalala, whenever she inevitably comes yeah. back is gonna be it's gonna be hard or like rihanna like are you yeah rihanna rihanna more so than colella because anti anti is such a like a masterwork. it is i mean yeah from someone who has done a lot of music and then to release that as your like eighth album yeah it is especially like someone who she took four years off to make that album and it was as good as it was great best case scenario basically for someone taking that much time off um Kalela is someone I actually think has a better I love Take Me Apart fantastic album I think her next album is actually going to be better I hope you're right because I I love her and oh gosh Take Me Apart is another one that's like it's so so good but I think she's going to be one of those people who like sort of leans into like the slightly poppier elements of her sound yeah. for better and will like okay. 
I think I, I just I have a feeling that like this upcoming album, like the first single is going to blow us out of the water. I would love to see that. I absolutely would love to see that. We would love to see a lot of things, I think, is like the main takeaway from this conversation. <laughs> so it is up to the women of Pitchfork Pop to uh, make sure that we're fed, yeah. happy. Save us. Um, that's all we can hope for. That's all we can hope for. <laughs> well, I think we have to move on to our final segment. Um, okay. We're going to play Tear the Community Apart. So... The rules are very, very, very simple. I have picked two songs and you're going to tell me which one is better. Okay. So these two songs are both from British artists who exploded onto the blogosphere, internet sphere within the past like year and a half, essentially. Mm -hmm. Both of whom make excellent electronic expired music. Both of whom collaborated this week to mixed effect um but they're fantastic very excited to see music from them and these two songs to me are close to tens out of tens so which song is better just for me by pink pantheris okay or bde by shy girl and slow tie um i mean to me that's no contest that's bde i love that song that was actually my number two most played song on spotify of 2021 after bunny is a writer um so, yay so, okay, we're, we're big bunny fans on this podcast obviously, bunny so. is in fact a writer but i could listen to bde uh pretty much like every day for the rest of my life and i think i'd get sick of it yeah uh, it is everything is done so well and it's just dialed up to 11 in like the best way possible i really like pink panthers but like i just don't think she can compare in this in this uh head to head yeah bde is a very commanding song and like it the the main knock for me against pink panthers is that her music is just a little too soft to really go off in an actual like club big party setting we were at berlin in chicago the other day and bda bde came on and it was a floor filler like perfect level like everyone was like so into it like yeah like incredible um and just for me like any pink panther song really is like just a little too low-key to like really do that and I mean I think the addition of slow tie also really adds a lot to it I mean he can knock me out whenever he wants okay thank you for saying that because (laughs) I think he's so hot and like I definitely feel alone in that sometimes so I'm glad that we're finding sister community here (laughs) around slow tie um I love shy girl in general though so like but BDE really felt like her like crossover moment in a lot of ways Exactly. Like, I liked a lot of the songs on Alias, but, like, mm-hmm. I always felt like there was something that I was just, like, I wanted a little more. Like, Slime was, I mean, obviously, I think. Slime is, awesome. like, awesome. Yeah. But, I mean, obviously, you know, a lot um, of that is probably indebted to Sophie's production as well. Um, yeah. So, with the rest of the songs and then some of the other stuff she's done, I always just, like, wanted a little more, and I feel like BDE just gave 
like I said, it gave a hundred percent and I 100%. Yeah. I loved it for, I loved that for her. <laughs> I, I think she'll have a ginormous career. I'm a little worried by this Mira Masa song that came out this week with Pink Panther as Shy Girl and Lil Uzi Vert because A, the song itself is like pretty mid, whatever, fine. Yeah. Um, Shy Girl's also not vocally on it. She's doing like slight background vocals, I think, and she's air quotes contributing production. I don't know what about this merited a feature credit yeah but it's a little concerning though like you're fresh off of one of the biggest hits of your career and you're not leveraging that and also on pink panther's side too like she could be doing more like impactful collabs because this is not a hit it's 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 mood music it's not a hit i mean also i have so many problems with miramasa like i Mm -hmm. really liked his album in 2017 um, with like the Charlie feature and um, I don't know, I'm literally blank. Christina and the oh, Queens is on that too. Yeah, there are a lot of great songs on that album. But then the, his album that came out in 2020, I hated. I literally, I was almost yeah. almost for me. So I, I think he's trying to do too much and the results are pretty scattershot. <laughs> and this, I think this Pink Panthers Shy Girl collab is kind of, I think they're victims of his uh, ambitions. It it definitely, well, he produced just for me. And I think that's a really good use of his talents. Like he's behind the boards. He's not credited necessarily. And he gets like two and a half minutes to kind of just yeah, like, exactly. you know, make a soundscape. I think Pink Panthers is a good collaborator for like the kind of like ethereal, like twinkly dance pop that he's been making for seven, eight years now. But this one is, it just feels overstuffed. And yeah, exactly. I don't know. Like three features is a lot. It's a lot for any produ- any song, really. I mean, like, I mean, like, think of like the three singer, like, major pop collabs we've had the past like 10 years. Like, you have like Don't Call Me Angel, which is like <laughs> such a mess. And like bang bang, bang bang, which like iconic, but uh, by, I've been on record as saying that bang bang is one of the funniest songs of all time because it's it like is just so song. crazy. Oh, it's it's, not, it's yeah. good, but it's uh, also like, how did we get here at the same time? Which yeah. is like a good place to be. There are worse places to be for a pop song. I mean, yeah, it's just it's not like a, I don't know. It's a fun. It, you're right. It is a very funny song. Also, yeah. I mean, I just find Jesse J, uh, ex bisexual. Uh, in- <laughs> inherently hilarious rude um (laughs) no she is inherently hilarious like she she both is like somehow a cautionary tale for Rita Ora but also someone who has technically had the career that Rita Ora should want yeah that makes sense I mean Jesse J won that like singing competition in China like two or three years ago she did that she dated Channing Tatum for like a year and a half yeah, little Miss Jessica Cornish. Uh, we do, you know, I I don't stand her, but I do celebrate her right to do what she wants to do. And I think like, that's, that's a nice That's a good way to, to put be. it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, this whole episode was a nice place to be. Honestly, I had the time of my life um, here on this fine Wednesday evening. Me too. Ethan, where can people find you on social media if you would like to be found? 
Uh, yeah, sure. My Instagram is Flanaganstagram, um, which is very cumbersome and I honestly should change it, but that's my Instagram. Um, if you just search through Drew's tweet and find <laughs> um, the one with 400,000 likes, you can find my Twitter pretty easily. Uh, <laughs> it's at it's Flan again, um, which is a pun. And I do have to shout out your handle, uh, Joan Cutesack, because every time I see it, it makes me laugh very <laughs> hard. Um, Thank you. You can find me on Twitter at FKPigs with a Z on Instagram at Drew Haskins with Z's and follow the official Crisis Twink accounts at Crisis Twink Pod on both Twitter and Instagram. You will not be disappointed by all of this. Um, and you won't be disappointed by this episode. This was truly a delight, Ethan. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Um, you open door invitation. Perfect, perfect, perfect. And uh yeah, I'll take it. I Go love off it. into the night with your back. So. <laughs> All right. Bye, everyone.